This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, this week's Pasha, Pasha's Vayera. There's a lot of things going on in Pasha's Vayera. The beginning of Pasha's Vayera begins with the three Malachim that... Anyone know what my subject matter is tonight? Did they advertise what I'm going to speak about? Good. That means I can speak about anything. Okay. Good. That's why I didn't give her a subject. All right, we'll see. I dive into Hashem before I walk into Shear that I should say what you need to hear, not what I need to say. Many times what you need to hear is not what I need to say. So we'll see. If, if I don't say what I'm prepared to say, it means that we had Siat Deshmaya tonight. It means it came from Hashem, not I didn't prepare. Even if I prepare, it comes from Hashem. But many times I start speaking and I go off on a tangent. That's one reason is because I'm ADD. And the other reason is that, not to make fun of it, I am. And um, the, sometimes my class has to help me come back to the subject I'm really talking about. And the other one is that many times that like, you get up to speak and, and, and you go off on the subject because the Kosh Baruch who knows what you need to hear, not what I need to say. So I hope we'll have Siyat Deshmai and I'll say what you need to hear. So this week's Pasha talks about Abraham Avinu and Sari Imenu. He's 99. She's 90. Three Malachim show up dressed up as Arabs. And it says that Sari Imenu laughed. That's why we call him Yitzchak, right? Sorry, Menu laughed. Very interesting. If you're, if you're picky and you look at the Torah very carefully, not to give anyone permission to lie or to change the truth, but there's something very, very interesting in this week's parasha. When, when the Malachim came, it says that Sarah laughed because she said, how, how am I, I going to have children? My husband is so old. That's what she said. When Hashem repeated it, when Hashem repeated to Avram Avinu, Hashem said, why is Sarah Imenu laughing, saying that she is too old to have children? That's not what she said. She said that Avram Avinu is too old to have children. When Hashem reported to Avram, he didn't want to cause Shalom bias problems. So he didn't want to tell Avram Avinu, well, your wife's laughing because you're so old. So if you look in the Psukim, Hashem repeated it. Not that Hashem lies. I'll tell you something very interesting. Because I always had a problem with this as a kid. Well, if Hashem can lie, then I can lie. Right? That's for sure. Right? For Shalom Bias. To make sure that my parents don't get angry at me. It's also Shalom Bias. I can tell them stories. Right? So if Hashem could lie. Right? So, Hashem, so what happened here? Hashem went back to Avraham Avinu. He didn't say, Rachel said, you're too old. Hashem went back. I mean, Sarah said, you're too old. Hashem went back and said, Sarah said, she's too old. That's not true. That's not what she said. So Rashi says that Hashem changed it for Shalom Bayis. So it's a good kasha. How can Hashem do something like that? So I heard one answer is that to hurt somebody's feelings is, is not MS. If Hashem would have come back and hurt Aram Avinu's feelings, that's not MS. MS, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, MS is... Sometimes someone really doesn't look good. They really don't look good. And they ask you, Sanu, how do I look? Now, husbands, us guys, we, we're always in bad situation. Because if we say you don't look good, what do you mean I don't look good? Everybody else thinks I look good. You're the only one who doesn't. But, but you ask me a question, I have to tell you the truth. I, I don't think that dress really looks good on you. What do you mean? Now, so the guy, next time he gets smart, right? He's, he's not a silly guy. So the next time they go to the wedding, his wife asks him, how do I look? He says, you look 
beautiful, stunning, liar. <laughs> You're just in a rush. You want to go right away. You don't want me to change. Tell me the truth. We, we can never win. Us guys, we're, what can I tell you? But Lemaisa, Lemaisa, the truth, the truth is that you don't hurt another person. You can't say, yes, I hurt this other person, but I told the truth. That's not a real truth. The truth in this world, which we're going to talk about, is ben truth in this world is to make the other person feel good. Sometimes, to make the other person feel good. Now, you can say to me, well, she went to the wedding and everyone said, oh, what a terrible dress. So of course, if it's so not nice, you have to tell your wife the truth. But uh, she wants you to compliment. If someone asks, I tell this in my voice share, if someone asks you, how do I look? If they're already asking, how do I look? They expect you to, to, to say, you know, you look very good. Maybe, because guys don't know. I, I give Shurman and Sean Bias. Guys, mamish don't know. They get married, right? And they tell her, this doesn't look good on you, and that doesn't look good. And, and then all of a sudden, there's like major problems. I'm like, no, what you need to say is, you look very nice in this dress, but what you wore last week was unbelievable. So she'll automatically change. You can't tell her that she doesn't look good. Always compliment. And you have to use, we're all very smart, there's some people in this room that are, a lot of most people in this room, are brilliant. You're very smart. But a lot of us don't use our smarts. Yeah, we use it in college. We use it when we study. We use it when we go on a business interview. But we don't use our smarts when it comes to how to treat another person. You have to use your smarts and how to treat another person. This week's parsha. This week's parsha. Avraham Avinu. Three Arabs. Dressed up, right? He thought they were Arabs. Look how he treated three Arabs, not three Arab kings. Because I'll say one was a one was a sailor, one was a, a camel driver. Avramovino was Avamoin Goyim. These three guys show up. He bows down to them. Take a little bit of water. Wash your feet. He runs to get them food. So Ramavino understood that if you want to bring someone close to Hashem, and this is my subject matter tonight, if you want to bring someone close to Hashem, everybody thinks, oh, Kirov. I'm going to read this book, I'm going to read that Kirov book, and I'm going to go to a Kirov class and a Kirov seminary, and oh, the biggest one in Kirov was Ramavino. Just treat the other person nice. Give them kavod. Give them respect. If you give somebody respect, they will give you back respect. If you give somebody respect, they will listen to you. If you, and I always tell this with parents who, who are with their kids, if your kid comes home, and I'm not telling you you have to give your kid respect. The kid has to, has to earn respect. That's the school I come from. But if a kid comes home with a, with a miserable mark on their test, instead of ripping off their head and screaming at them the minute they walk through the door, and mommy, I, I got a 50. Why are you 50? How much money I pay for tuition? Me and your father, we worked so hard all day, all night. I should send you to public school. I spent so much money on tuition. And your tutor? That's how much money I'd rather spend it on your brother. Oh, my goodness. Tell that to a kid. I'd rather spend it on your brother. Right? So right away, when the mother... I'm not talking about any of you. I'm talking to myself. But when a mother starts screaming at a kid the minute they walk in, guess what happens? They turn off. And the rest of whatever they have to say, which is pretty smart, the mother has good information to give the child, they don't hear it anymore. They hear a mother saying, I pay so much for tuition! And then whatever she says sounds like, blah, 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 blah. They don't hear anything. It's closed. 
Shefala, I don't know if you guys use the word Shefala, it's Yiddish. Shefala, sit down. But mommy, I got to tell you what I got on my test. Your test is not the most important thing in the world. Tell me how your day was. Tell me how you feel. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? You think I'm from Mars, right? Like, what are they talking about? The rabbi's crazy. Are you crazy? The first thing they walk in the door, your shoes are untied. Tuck your shirt in. Oh, my goodness, you got pen all over your sweater. Boom, the first thing we do, our children walk in, criticize, criticize, criticize. And then we don't understand when those children grow up and get married that they have shalom bias problems when that girl, who every time she came home, it was blow your nose, clean your shoes, tie your shoes, tuck in your shirt. Why is your briefcase so dirty? Why, why is there half your lunch in the bag? Then we don't understand why that girl, when her husband comes home, because that's how she was brought up, the first thing she says to him, you look like a slob. Why are you late? You were supposed to be home an hour earlier. Why didn't you call me? Why, 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 why? So they come to me and they're like, Wallstein, we're having Shalom bias problems. I don't even get through the door and she's screaming at me. And then I ask her, no, let me, let's talk about how you were brought up in your house. That's how she was brought up in her house. She was criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. So to her, relationship, relationship means criticism. Means what you did wrong, not what you did right. But if you're brought up in a home where your parents are always, yes, we're going to get to the test, and we're going to find out why you got a 50, but first we're going to make sure that you had a good day, that you feel good, that you had a drink, and you had something to eat. I know if you start doing that, your kids are going to look at you and think that you're taking some kind of drugs or something. <laughs> like, what happened to you? But it's never too late. It's never too late. Because if they're brought up in a home that criticizes, Avramavinu bowed down onto the floor, in front of Arabs. In front of three Arabs. Low-life Arabs, not big classy Arabs. Dirty, smelly, sweaty Arabs. And Abraham Avinu bowed down to them like they were kings. And said, come into my house, wash off your feet. He ran and got them meat. You know what it says? It says that he went and he shechted three cows to give them tongue, because tongue was like, Imagine the middle of the desert to have come in the middle of the desert and it's tongue Polynesian, you know? Can you imagine such a thing? He went ahead and he killed three animals, separate animals, so that each one, not that they should share a tongue, but that each one should get a portion. That's how he treated an Arab. He didn't know they were, if he knew they were Malachim, he wouldn't give them to eat. Malachim don't eat. Go sit under the tree and relax. What's going on over here? And the answer is that the house that Avram Avinu brought up Yitzchak, the house that Sari Imenu brought up Yitzchak, was a house of chesed. Chesed means treating everybody like they're very, very special. And that is something that I think our dar, our generation, has to work on. We're so busy with our cell phones. We have no, we're busy making a living. We're busy with this and we're busy with that. And the last thing we're busy with is our own children and our own husbands, and our husbands the same, and not just the children with us too, they're busy. And our husbands are also busy. Everybody's busy. Meanwhile, the most precious resource that you have in the world are your children and your husband. Not your cell phone. Cell phone's a piece of metal. Has no feelings. It doesn't grow up and have children. It's a cell phone. It usually ends up within a year at the bottom of your toilet bowl. Usually, 
The guy told me in the phone store that the most phones that come in ruined is because they fell into the toilet. <laughs> so where's that phone going? Ends up at the bottom of a toilet, and a whole day you're just busy yapping and talking on the phone when the most important thing in the world, your children and your husbands, they don't get the attention, and they don't give you the attention because they're yapping on their phones, and you're yapping on your phone, and he's yapping on your phone. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, it's not a problem because you went to the Verizon store and you got a family plan. So everybody has their own phone. And they're only $9.99 for all the other phones, right? It's a beautiful thing. Everyone sits at the kitchen table and they're eating supper and everyone's on their own phone. So wouldn't it be so bad if everyone's on their phone talking to each other on the phone? No. Everybody's talking to their friends on the phone. They don't even see what's for supper because they're texting under the table. <laughs> so Abraham Avinu, Baruch Hashem, there was no cell phones. He had time. He had time for his guests to be Makar of them. So I think like one of the most important things, that's what I want to speak about tonight, this week's Pasha, there's two very important things. One is the relationship that Abraham Avinu had with people. Two is the end of the Pasha, which we're not going to have that much time to speak about tonight, a different time in Meit Hashem, and that's Akedas Yitzchak. That's the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. And I always have this disagreement, I don't have disagreements, but a discussion with my wife, when I, I never bring her when I give this year, um, because we always discuss what does the word ahava mean. It's a very nice word, love, right? They make a lot of money in this world on the word love. Cards that say love, I love you, much love, yours truly love, 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 love. I had a Rebbe, he used to go love, shmuv. He go love, what's love? What does that mean? What does that mean to love somebody? Right? I come in there and I say, I love my children. I also love potato chips. I also love chocolate. Um, I love a nice vacation. I love Hashem. Now, you're going to tell me your children, Hashem, potato chips, chocolate, and vacation is all the same love? What is that word? But you use the same word for everything. So what does love mean? What does that mean? What does that mean when someone says, I love you? What does that mean? Right? It can mean a million different things. In America, it's sold as... Uh, Romeo and Juliet, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> killing each other, that's love. Okay, that's nice, you know. That's a nice thought to think about. Literature, you know, you go to college, you learn literature. Well, what's the ultimate love? Dying together. Great. I always, when I, when I, when I read Romeo and Juliet, right, who wrote Romeo and Juliet? Shakespeare? Meshuggah. <laughs> what a meshuggah. They make us read that stuff in school. Oh, meshuggah. Caesar gets killed, a bunch of witches in a pot. Two, two people get killed. This guy was mommish depressed. He was depressed, right? We have Tyra. They have Shakespeare. I was growing up, so they Romeo and Juliet. It's like, all the girls, when they read it, it's like, oh, I wish I met a guy like that. Right? <laughs> Want to meet a guy that's going to die with you? So I'm like, if he was, any, if he was a good guy, you really loved her, don't you think you should have talked her out of committing suicide? Instead of talking out, he says, you know what? You want to die? I'll die with you. This is, a, this is, their, this is the Nebuch, so now. So now in the world, you have Nebuch. This happens a lot because this is what we teach our children, right? That, that dying together, that's the ultimate love. Save the other person. What are you dying together for, right? So Nebuch, there's a lot of, not by us, Baruch Hashem, but a lot of what they call double suicides where they kill each other. And that's and, and, and ultimate bliss. Ultimate bliss. Meshugam. Talk to each other. Go out for pizza. What are you doing killing each other? Right? This is the world. That, this is, this is the, so how do you translate love? So everybody, if I was to give out a piece of paper right now, 
for everyone to do this. I've, I've done it in my school. Is your translation of love, you'll see all kinds of different things. Respect, right? Respect. I respect for a policeman. I don't love him, right? I'm not going to make a U-turn right in front of him, right? There's a lot of people I respect that I don't love, you know? Okay, trust. A lot of people I trust that I don't love. I, I mean, you know, I, I trust the pilot. I wouldn't get on a plane. I don't even know who he is. I definitely don't love him, right? So, so we have this discussion. It's a good discussion to have. What does that word mean? And it's not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word, even though some people say, it's a dirty word. You can't, you know, I'll say that. You know, I'll say that word. It's a bad thing. You know, I'll say that, right? And I'm like, uh, Ahava Rava, Vahafta, the whole Kriyashma has the word Ava in it, right? It's used a lot between Akash Bokhu and Klai Yisrael, the word Ava. So Ava is not a bad word. So what does Ahava mean? Something you'll be willing to die for? Chas Chas That's Romeo and Juliet. Hashem does not want you to die for him. No, not that you suicide, but I'm saying... Yeah. He doesn't want you to die for him. So, so to answer what you're saying, just very interesting, last week's Pasha, Pasha's Lech Lecha, so it starts off, Pasha's Lech Lecha, Avram should leave his, his, his birthplace and his home, right? Big Nisayon. Mentioned in the Torah a few psukim, big test. Hashem came to Avram Avinu, said, get up, Leave your birthplace, your family, and your country, and go. I'm not telling you where to go. Go to the place I'm going to show you. And guess what? If you do that, I'm going to make you into a nation. You're going to have a lot of money. Your whole nation's going to come out of you. Life's going to be great. Hello. If Hashem came into this room right now, we'd all stand up. But if Hashem would come into this room right now and say, ladies... I'm Hashem, and we know it's Hashem speaking. A voice comes out, right? And says, right now, I want you to get up. Tomorrow, I want you to leave New York, leave America, take your family, and go. And where are you going to go? To Israel? And in Israel, you're going to be healthy for the rest of your life. You're not going to have to sweat for any money. I'm going to take care of you. That's a nisayon. That's a test. Let me tell you what's a test. In the Pasha before, at the end of Pasha's Noach, there's a medrash that says that Nimrod told Avram Avinu, either you join me and do Avodah Zarah, or I'm going to take you and throw you into a furnace of fire. And Avram Avinu said, like you said, I'm willing to die for Hashem. Throw me into the furnace of fire. They took Avram, they threw him into the furnace. He sat there, nothing happened to him. He sat with the Malachim. He was learning Torah, nothing happened to him. Does not say one word about Avram Avinu being thrown into a furnace, a fire, giving up his life. Does not say one word about it in the Torah. You can look all you want. It's a medrash on the word Ur Kazdim. Says Avram Avinu left Ur Kazdim. The medrash says, what's Ur Kazdim? The fire of the oven. And then it tells the whole story. So one second. Where Avram said, I'm willing to give up my life to jump into a fire for Hashem. The Torah doesn't say one word about it. But leaving his mommy and his tati and the United States and his friends, eight psukim in the Torah talks about it. What happened to jumping into the fire? According to that, that's the greatest love of all. You said very nicely. Love is giving. Love is giving. Giving what? Giving. 
everything that you have. Okay, that is a very good trans. That's a very good, very good translation. But we're going to even go further than that. But I just want to. I want. I'd like to answer this young lady. So the question. We have a big question here. The question is: jumping into a fire. The Torah doesn't say one word. Leaving his home and moving to Israel. The Torah makes a big deal. So a great tzaddik said such a beautiful answer. And he said, dying for God, for Hashem, takes one moment. Living for Hashem takes a lifetime. So the ultimate is not dying for Hashem. The ultimate is living for Hashem. Dying is a second, it's a moment, it's over. Very nice. If you have to, you have to. That's not what Hashem wants. Living 70, 80, 90 years, Tzniyah, Shabbos, Kosher, Mishpacha, all those halachas, your whole life, much harder. And that's why the Torah doesn't talk about jumping into the fire. That's the, that's the Muslims, blowing themselves up and going to heaven. We don't, we're not into that. We don't do that. <coughs> we, we live our whole life as doing what the Torah tells us to do. And that's much harder. So the Torah says, forget about jumping into the fire. There are a lot of people that jumped into the fire. But living for living your life as a Jew, that's much harder. So my translation of love is sacrifice. Now, whenever I say that word, my wife pictures someone on a being brought up as a as a carbon on a Mizbeach. She says that's a very harsh word. You know, if 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 a husband would come home at night and tell his wife, you know, you're very special, I'd like to sacrifice you. <laughs> Uh-oh. He's going to be the carbon, right? So, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? It's this week's parsha. It's this week's parsha. The ultimate love, the final test of his love for Hashem, after all the tests that he went through, the final test was to give his son up as a sacrifice. And of course, we all know, any parent that's in this room knows that giving up a child is much harder, like you said, than giving up yourself. You will jump into a fire. You will take a bullet, even though some of the kids don't appreciate it. Any parent, no matter what relationship they have with the child, if, there's, if someone would shoot a shot at their child, they will step in the way and take the bullet. There's nothing to talk about. So the ultimate proof that Abraham Avinu loved Hashem was he was willing to sacrifice Yitzchak. Not only he was willing to sacrifice Yitzchak, that's not the ultimate. The ultimate was that he did it besimcha. He did it happy with happiness. So I don't know if I've ever said this story here. I know I said this in California. So, you know, I talk a lot to the boys, because they really have, you have a little bit of an idea how to be a wife. These guys have no idea how to be a husband. Where do guys know how to be a husband? They go to yeshiva, they go to a dorm, there's six guys in a room, Everybody flips their underwear on the floor and their pajamas and their socks. The place is piling up, right? Who knows how to be a husband? You know, the first time they get married, she's like, hang up your clothes. He's like, what do you mean? In, 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 in the dorm, I never hung up my clothes. At home, my mother hung up my clothes. Isn't that your job? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. She just got married, and now she's being told her job is to hang up his clothing. So, so I talk to the boys a lot. On, on, on how do you get married, how to be married, Shalom Bias, before, before the situation. So usually the night before a wedding, the chassan, if he's one of my tamidim, I spend that night talking to him and trying to coach him a little bit on, uh, on the difference between a woman and a man and how they think. It's a different, totally 
totally, it, it, it's a miracle of all miracles, of all the needs in the world, that you can be, that two people can be married. It is. It brings down the Gemara that, I, that, that, that this woman said, what's the big deal? It says that Hashem makes Zivugim. So this queen said, what are you talking about? I could do it. And she took 50 male servants and 50 female servants, and she married them all together, you know, all to each one, 50 sets, and she put them in a room, and it says the next morning blood was running from the, from the beatings that they gave each other. So he said, you see, a Baruch who makes the Shidduch, Mekosh Baruch who makes the Shidduch, it can work. You think a human being can do this? No, it has to be, the Zivug has to come from Shemaim. Anyway, so what am I talking about? So I told the boys like this, I'm like, Okay, so guys don't like shopping, in case you didn't realize. They, if they do like shopping for themselves, they still don't like to go shopping with their wife. Now, they're not 100%, now don't throw anything at me, but they're not, they're not 100% wrong. They're not. Because you're so different than we are. You see, when I go shopping, so I walk into the men's suit store, or in the department store to the men, right? I buy, I try on one suit. After I try on that suit, I go over to the guy and I'm like, Okay, you have this in black and in blue and in dark gray. Thank you very much. Could you give me four, four ties that match and socks, one pair of shoes? From walking into the men's store to walking out with four suits, four shirts, four ties, a pair of shoes, four socks, right? Ready for four weddings, ready for anything, right? Ready for anything. 25 minutes max. 25 minutes, that's it. Regular guys, that's it. Now the hat, the black hat, I have to say. I go to Boston Borough Park, the black hat, for some reason, the hat takes like five hours. How do I look? Uh, bigger size, bigger brim, this way, that way. I don't, I don't know what's up with the hat. But by buying suits and clothing for us, it's, it's one, two, three. So the first time this guy, he's married, and, you know, he goes to play ball, and she lets him. You know, you let us play ball. You know, she lets him play ball. He goes to learn. She lets him. He gets rishus, you know, okay. Now she wants to go shopping to Manhattan. She really doesn't want to go by herself. So she asks him to come along. So now, most guys are like, do I have to? Well, if that's how, you, if that, if that's how you're talking to me, I don't even want you to come along. He's finished. He's done right there. Forget about it. So he can't say that. I tell my wife, don't, don't say, do I have to? You have to. Know in your head, you have to. Because... This is why I'm trying to show you what really love, what, it, what really a relationship means. And then I'm going to show you an amazing Gemara. An amazing, you're going to learn Gemara tonight. So, guys don't know this, right? They, he goes with her to uh, give Bloomingdale's. Goes to Bloomingdale's and she starts shopping, right? And she goes, you guys, well, you go to this rack and to that rack. And you look and you pick and you put back. And you shift it and you pull it up and you put back. And you shift it. And the guy, now, if it's Bloomingdale's Baruch Hashem... So there's, they put chairs out for men. Because, because like a year ago, they realized that us guys, we can stand there for 20 minutes, we start getting nervous, and we're like, come on, let's go. So they got smart, they put chairs. So when you walk into Bloomingdale's, there's like eight guys, <sighs> fast asleep, fast, mama's fast asleep, fast asleep. It's amazing. We even know if those eight chairs are full, we go to the shoe department, because the shoe department has all those benches. You can mama's lay out, you know, you can mama's lay out. So, so she goes in there, she pulls this one and she pulls that one. I'm not making fun of you. I have five daughters, can I know wife? I'm not making fun of you. I just want you to understand. And she pulls that one. Now he's starting to get a little bit nervous. Don't get nervous. Because even though you don't realize it, we're very happy if you go shopping, if you buy something. Because once we're going shopping already, we don't understand. We don't go shopping. You never see a man going to a suit store 
touching 350 hangers with suits on them and walk out empty-handed. Never. He touches four hangers and he walks out with the four suits. Right? So, finally, Baruch Hashem, after five hours of shopping, he's going crazy. He doesn't have anyone to call anymore on the cell phone. His cell phone is dead. He doesn't know what to do with himself. So she finally comes back. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, 12 outfits. Amazing. He's like, okay, as long, as long, because he really cares about it, as long as she's happy, right? How am I going to pay for this? I'm going to take out a mortgage, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, Baruch Hashem, she's happy, she's happy. So what do you guys do? You go into the dressing room. And we're standing outside. You go, okay, I'm going to come out. You'll tell me if I look good. Waiting, waiting, waiting. It's not called the dressing room. It's called the waiting room. Okay. We're standing out there. And all of a sudden, the salesperson comes out. Wrong side. She's going back, 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 back. You figure, oh, my goodness. She's going back and forth. Keeps changing the sizes. She's probably going to buy all of them. Then you start to get a little nervous. You know, 12 out of 12? She comes out. She's dressed back in the clothing she went in with. Her, her clothing that she came for. And you're like, didn't you try on something? Don't you want me to tell you if you look good in it? Oh, I don't like any of them. <laughs> but maybe, like, you're doing us a favor. But maybe I'll take these three. Okay, Baruch Hashem, I'm here for six hours. At least we're going to walk out with something. It's not 12, it's three. It's fantastic. Now, what they did is, silly Bloomingdale's, silly, but I'm not going to tell them because it saved me a lot of money. <laughs> what they did is they put the cash register not near the dressing room, but all the way across the floor because they want you on your way from the dressing room, <gasps> oh, that looks good, and go back into the dressing room. <laughs> but they're wrong. They're wrong. Because from the dressing room, on the three dresses that you decide you're going to take, by the time you get to the cash register, you don't even take those three. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, I don't even understand. This dress, I don't have any weddings coming up. Why do, why do I need this dress? Chaim, I need this dress. I told you to take that dress. What do you want from me? Right? <laughs> Chaim, I, need, I don't need this dress. I don't even have any. Nah. Boom. That one's gone. There's two. You're like, oh, please, if we're going to go home, she has, oh, my. Please, one of the two, one of the two. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I think if I wait two weeks, it's going to go on sale. <laughs> And he's like, no, she takes it. She hangs it up. Let's go. We, we, we don't understand that. We, we just don't understand that. We're like, absolute failure. I took you out for five hours and you came up with nothing, you know? It's like absolute failure. And then what happens, the worst thing. And I told all the guys, please don't do this. Well, um, darling, while you were in the, in the fitting room for the last you know, hour, I went downstairs. You don't, mind, you don't mind if I just buy this pair of shoes I found. <laughs> Who went shopping here today, me or you? You told me you didn't even want to go. You leave those shoes here. <laughs> so, so why am I telling you this story? You think I'm a comedian? I'm not a comedian. I tell my boys, listen to me. And this is what, this is what I'm talking about, sacrifice. You have to go inside yourself. It's very hard. But that's how a marriage works. That's how all relationships work. You have to go inside yourself, and you have to be what we call misvatel yourself. You have to become no more, I'm not a boy. I'm her friend, her girlfriend, going shopping. And all the years she went with her friend shopping, they have a good time not buying things, right? They don't buy things. They spend time not buying things, taking 15 things, taking two things, 
hanging it up and being able to walk out and say, hi, I didn't spend any money. So you have to be misvatel. I'm a guy. What do you mean? Five hours. I could have played ball. I could have watched the Yankees. I could have learned Tyra. I could have done this. Right? And the answer is no. For those five hours, for those five hours, you have to be her friend. You have to be misvatel. You have to break who you are. That is sacrifice. Sacrifice means to give up from myself for the other person. It's not good enough to just go, and I, and I tell them, they were like, but I went with her. It's not good enough to go shopping with her with your head down, right, with, with even your head in the Gemara and not, and not spending the time with her. That's her time. You made a decision that that's going to be her time. This should be a shift for the guys, right? But on the other hand, it works the other way too because not everything the boy likes does the girl like. So if your husband asks you to go somewhere that you really don't want to be and you really don't want to go, you have to be misvatel yourself. There's no me. There's no me. This hour and a half, two hours is about him. It was about him. You have to be misvatel who you are and you have to be happy. You have to be happy to go shopping. Don't do me any favors to go with me with your face on the floor and fetching and fitchering and let's go and let's go and what are we doing here so long and I don't want to be at this wedding. So, you know, you go me to my friend's wedding and you're going to sit there the whole time texting me, let's go, let's go, let's go. You didn't do a chesed. You didn't sacrifice that hour for me. You're sitting there and you're miserable. And if you're miserable, I'm miserable. So true love is being able to wipe yourself out of the picture. Oh, yeah, that's hard. Very hard. To be misvatel yourself. It's very hard. That's the secret of any good relationship. Is to be misvatel yourself. I always say there's no I in us. There's you in the spelling. There's no I in us. There's only you. If that's how you think, if that's how you think. Now, what does it have to do with this week's parasha? For Avram Avinu, to, I mean, anyone in this room, it's impossible. How do you sacrifice your son? And not only that, the Medrash that he already shechted one of the two tubes, one, there's, a, there's a food tube and, a, and an ear tube, that he already had shechted one of the tubes, the Malachim came to him. He was so excited about shechting him, right, that it says, he, he said, Al-Hanar. The Malach said, get your hands off the child. Pull your hand off the child. So Chazal asked, what do you mean? It wasn't his hand. It was a knife. It should have said, take the knife off his neck. Not pull the the, 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 not pull the, uh, your hand off. So the Medrash says that after the Malach knocked the, the, the knife to the ground, Abraham Avinu tried to choke Yitzchok with his own hands. He said, I made up Hashem. Hashem told me to kill my child for him. You knocked the knife out? I don't care. I'm going to choke him. And he was choking him. And, I, and that's why the, it says, the Malach said, get your hands. The knife wasn't even there anymore. The knife was on the floor. That, now, now you're looking at, oh my goodness, what a mean father. Avram Avinu wasn't his father anymore. He was Mizvatel himself. He did not exist in a relationship with Hashem. Hashem said, Shech your son. He wasn't there anymore. He was Mizvatel that I'm a father, that I care about him, that I love him. It was gone. That's sacrifice. He sacrificed himself. Avram Avinu sacrificed his love for his child, which was the greatest sacrifice of all. And after that, Avram Avinu said, No more. I'm done. No more tests. And Hashem said, no more tests. That's what love is. Love is getting yourself out of the picture. You love your child. Stop telling your kid. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Stop telling your kid. I tell this to all the parents and all the girls who are going to be would-be parents. But let me tell you something. The, the, the mechanic in the home is not the father. This I can tell you. Your mother brings you up. Your father, you know, goes out, he makes a living. The bottom line is from when a kid's a little kid, what, what you get on your test and how you get dressed and your mannerisms is all comes from the mother. A kind, sweet, loving mother brings up good children. The father can get in the way once in a while, but truly a mother is the, is the, is the, is the chinuch of the bias. So this saying is like the worst saying that you could say to a kid. Girl comes home late, girl, or son comes home late, or gets a bad mark, or does something not good. What do you tell him? Chayim. Do you know what you're doing to me and your father? Do you know what you're doing to us? And he's thinking, it's all about us. Listen to what the child's hearing. Do you know what you're doing to me? you know what you're doing to your father? you know what you're doing to us? The kid's like, what about me? Parents never say, very seldom, I'm not ragging, I'm a parent, I'm the same, I'm the same one. Hardly ever say, Chaim, you got a 50 on your test. You know what you're doing to you? You know what you're doing to your future? Shayful, I love you. We get, we get, it's not about me. I passed all my tests. I'm not in school anymore. It's about you. Huh? It's about me? Really? You care about me? No, all they hear all day is, you're killing the family. Oh, now it's about the whole family. You're killing the whole family. And me, and your grandmother, and your father. You're killing everybody. And he's like, why are you always talking about everybody else? Why aren't you ever talking about me? Why aren't you saying, Chaim, you're killing yourself? Sit down. You know what you're doing to yourself? It would be just a whole different relationship. be a whole different world. I'm not talking any brain, mind-boggling Chazal Midrashim. And how do you do that? Ladies, how do you not get that anger and that tension when that kid walks in or that husband walks in and he messed up and they didn't call you and they, whatever they did wrong? How do you control yourself? You can't control yourself. You can't. Get angry. You have to get yourself out of the picture. If there's no yourself, you don't need to control yourself. To control yourself? How could you do this to us? It's very hard to swallow that. But to say, my, sh- my kid is, is having a problem. This is not about me today. This is about him. My wife wants to go shopping. It's not about me. She wants to return it all. She wants to spend 12 hours. No problem. This time I gave to her, it's about her. This is my husband's time. It's about him. Yes, I don't like the people at the wedding he slept me to. It's not about you. It's about him this time. And that is what Avraham Avinu was able to do by Yitzchak, and that's why he didn't have that fatherly. He took himself out of the picture. If he wouldn't have been able to take himself out of the picture, he could not have done it. So the ultimate love is a relationship where you sacrifice yourself. That is the ultimate love. That means it's all about you. Nothing about me. Now, the other person in the marriage is the same, has the same, we hope the same relationship. Nothing about me. It's all about you. Now, when you have a relationship that both people, it's all about the other person, 
Mazel tov. That's a, that's a zivug. That's a, what do you girls call that? Um, <laughs> no, that English saying. Soulmate. Oh, I love that word. Rabbi, <laughs> look at the name. How do I know? Is it my soulmate? What does that mean, soulmate? I have no idea what that means. Another thing that they're selling you, soulmate. You should be good. You should be nice. He should treat you right. You should be a tamachacham. You should love Hashem. You should bring up good children. Soulmate a hen. Soulmate a hair. Who cares? It doesn't make a difference. What does that mean? What does that mean? So, it's very hard. I'm giving you a homework over here. But it's so good. You know what? When you get used to... when you, Somebody told me... Somebody went over to me... Whatever, I get all these funny comments. Like, that people come over to me. Rabbi Wallerstein! Rabbi Wallerstein! I'm like, get over it. You know? Get over it. You know, people walk over to me like they think I'm a Malach or I'm God. I don't know what they think I am. I'm like, get over it. And they're like, you know, a girl came over to me the Shabbos. I went to a kiddush. I walked out. She goes, Rabbi Wallerstein. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I have to ask you a question. You're, you're, you're so famous. I'm like, hey, no autographs on Shabbos, girl. Sorry. <laughs> How come... You're so approachable. You're like a rock star, you can't get to him, you know? How come you're so approachable? I looked at her. I said, I don't take myself that seriously. Don't take yourselves, ladies. Don't take yourself so seriously. It's a whole different life. You're not the end of the world. You're not the beginning. You're not the end. You're in this world to help others. Hashem wants to take you back. He can take you back. He wants Hashem to be in a hospital. Be in a hospital. Whatever he wants. So what do you take yourself? Don't take yourself so serious. Red Wallstein here. Red Wallstein not here. It's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when you don't take yourself so serious, and you don't walk around like, you know who I am? You know who my family is? You know how much money my father has? You know how pretty I am? Do you know what? Not me. I'm not talking about me. <laughs> I know that you found that funny because you thought I was talking about me, but I'm not talking about me. <laughs> Don't get so impressed with yourself. Because the more impressed you are with yourself, the harder to get yourself out of the way. The more you think of yourself, the less you're able to move out of the way when it comes to relationships. Because what do you mean? Uh, you know who I am? Like, I should just... The Watson said I should just sacrifice myself. Now, that doesn't mean... Because I once gave this speech and I got, I got a little uh, whiplash from it. Doesn't mean, that anybody in this room should be abused. Doesn't mean that you should walk around and say, I'm a shmata. And walk around and say, come into the house. What did Rabbi Wallstein say today? All the kids are sitting in the, and, the, and your husband, everyone, they're sitting. So, what did Rabbi Wallstein say? Rabbi Wallstein said that I'm a nothing. <laughs> I don't exist. And the kids are like, yeah, finally. And <laughs> hey, we could step all over mommy now. Right, no, chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. It, it's a combination, a healthy combination. You are the most ultimate potential in the world. You are awesome. You are great. You are unbelievable. You can do anything. You can change the world. You can change one person. You can change yourself. Every person in this room has the most amazing potential that, that's, that's unbelievable. When one second you can save a kid in the street. You, oh, human beings? Potential? It's amazing. And you need to know that. You need to know that Akash Baruch Hu, you need to know that Akash Baruch Hu gave you an unbelievable potential. Every person has a different potential.
But when it comes to other people, that's when you misvatle yourself. That's when you're a nobody. When it comes to a bunch of Arabs, and I'm Avram Avinu, I speak to Hashem, I'm, I'm, I'm of Hamoy Goyim, I'm the greatest man in the world, that's when I'm Avram Avinu. When Hashem asked me to sacrifice my son, that's when I'm Avram Avinu. But when there's three Arabs that are thirsty and hungry and tired, I'm not here. I'm a servant. And if you look in the Psukim, listen to this. It's exactly what I'm telling you in this year. Listen to how he speaks to them. Who appeared to Avram Avinu? Hashem came to me. Huh? Come on. You can't think you're a nobody if you get a knock on the door. Who is it? Hashem. Hashem. I heard you're sick. I came to see you. Whoa. You know that you're not a nobody, right? He ran, right? He bowed down. And he said, Adonai, my masters. You hear? He's being misvatal himself. He, he's calling these Arabs his masters. Not that Abraham Avinu felt he was a nobody, but when it comes to other people, they're like my masters. If I find fit, now listen to listen to this passage. I don't have time tonight. This this is like the most one of the most amazing. They're all amazing in the Torah. This 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 pasha, every word. Now, if somebody came to your door, they would say to you, you know, or to me, Red Wallstein. I don't know if I deserve to come to you know to come to you for Shabbos. You know, I don't really know if I deserve it. You know, can I come to you for Shabbos? Really, you let me come to you for Shabbos? You think so? Maybe, could be, sort of, huh? <laughs> right? But could you imagine what Abraham Avinu did the opposite? He said to them, If I find favor in your eyes, that's like if I walked over to somebody and I said, listen, if I find favor in your eyes and you want to do me a favor, would you please come to my house for Shabbos? That's being misvatal yourself. Not that a girl has to come to Rabbi Wallstein and say, Rabbi Wallstein, maybe could I maybe sort of ask you a question, maybe kind of, do you ever, and I've had this question like with fear. I don't know why it looks so scary, but like, you know, as they're backing up, like maybe, um, maybe Rabbi Wallstein, maybe sometimes could be, should be, maybe you have girls for Shabbos, like for lunch, maybe I could come. I'm like, do I look that scary, right? And, 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 and I'm, I'm as bad as everyone else. Oh, you know. She asked nicely. She backed up. She showed a lot of respect. She pretty much bowed down to me. Okay, you can come to my house for Shabbos for lunch. Aramavinu, the opposite. I'm walking over to the girl. Hi, Chaya. Maybe, sort of, maybe, could you, like, do me maybe a favor? Sort of. And, and maybe you'd come to my house for lunch for Shabbos? <laughs> That's the way you're supposed to invite somebody. You hear? Abraham Avinu. He's telling the Arabs, if I find favor in your eyes, would you come to my house? Not the Arabs are saying, hey, Abraham, you know, we're filthy, we're dirty, we're smelly. Maybe you could just do us a favor this time and let us in. No. Do me a favor. Don't pass my house. Please, don't go to the next house. Come to my house. You have to learn from this. You have to learn from the Torah how to act, how to behave. This is a miserable Arabs. What about your husbands and your children and your next door neighbor and another Jew? Oh, we're going to get patched in the next world how we treat each other. Look how he's treating an Arab. Okay.
What else? What, what does he say? Yukach no ma'at Take a little water, rock to lechem, wash your feet, sit under the tree, I'm going to get you bread, and I'm going to give you to eat, right? And he said, make me bread, and he ran, and everything was he ran, in fact, in fact, an unbelievable medrash, a scary medrash, and it says that the reason that the Arabs, that Yishmael, has the power that they have today is because Avram Avinu didn't do everything himself. But that he told Yishmael, He gave the animals to the Nar, to Yishmael, he told him to prepare it. If Avram would have prepared everything himself, the Arabs would have no kayach. But because Yishmael, he asked Yishmael to do it, and he didn't do it all himself, that's what gave him their kayach. So what is that telling us? That he should have sacrificed his total being, and he should have been like the Nar, like Yishmael, and he should have done everything himself. He shouldn't have left it to anybody else. I'm going to make the cake, I'm going to make the I'm going to do the soda, I'm going to do everything myself. He shouldn't have let anyone else do it. Don't let your maid set the table for Shabbos, ever. Ever. You set the table for Shabbos. And so in the Kabbalah, never let a non-Jew set your table for Shabbos. Don't let her do your leichters. Do your leichters yourself. Put the candles in yourself. Anything that has to do with Shabbos, no guy should prepare for Shabbos. If Avram Avinu got punished, that Yishmael wasn't for Shabbos, it was for three Arabs, that he didn't do it all himself, chas for shalom, that a guy should prepare your Shabbos for you. You have to do everything yourself, as much as you can. As much as you can. Kaviyosha says, Shabbos, set the table, you have to set the table. Okay. So, we see from here that in order to make a relationship, a person has to sometimes or always, they have to sacrifice themselves when it comes to a relationship with the other person. Of course, if the other person, on the other hand, is abusing that, is abusing that, then you don't do it. Then you have to stop. Because, no, the kids cannot abuse you at all. But when I say, when I say, kids, yes, they're not goyim. Goyim, 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 non-Jews, maids. Your kids should help for Shabbat. You should teach them. It's very important. It's very important that you, that you get your kids, you want them to love Shabbat. So just sitting around and when the kid comes home Shabbat, and it means that his father is testing him on everything he learned that week, and he's going to get into trouble, and Shabbat means sleeping, his parents are sleeping, and he doesn't know what to do with himself, that's not good. He's going to grow up hating Shabbat. What do you do for Shabbat? You take your daughters, instead of you buying the flowers, you go to the flower store with them, and you say, Chanallah, pick out, today you pick out the roses. Really, Ma? Today you pick out the roses. And the next week we're going to go fruit shopping. You pick out the oranges. And when then Tati comes home, he says to his wife, he says, I really have to ask you forgiveness, but Hanallah picked out better roses than you. <laughs> that kid will never forget the roses on Shabbat. And shopping for Shabbat, don't do it all. Yeah, that's the problem. We do everything. We don't let our kids do anything. Let them go shopping. Let them pick the challah. Say, you, t- you go to the bakery and you get, you get the cookies. And she comes home and you're like... You pick my favorite cookies, even if you have to spit them out when she's not looking. <laughs> Doesn't make you see. That's where the lie is the MS. Mommy, did you love them? I love them. So how come they're all in the garbage? <laughs> I love them so much that if I wouldn't have thrown them in the garbage, I would have eaten all of them and I would have gained so much weight. I had to sacrifice myself and throw them in the garbage. Get your children involved in Shabbos. You're talking about Shabbos. Get, let, let your daughters teach them how to set a table. Where the forks go, where the spoons go. Don't always do it in, 
teach them if they do it wrong, help them do it again. They should be part of Shabbos. You have daughters, let them make the challah with you. Don't have to do everything yourself. You know, I, I talk to the boys. You know, we come home Shabbos, we sit at the Shabbos table with the father, and he gives the shear. Everything he read in shul, everything he learned in shul, and the boys are sitting there, and the girls are sitting there, and they're like, a whole week we went to school. Now, daddy's giving us school. You want to know why I can stand up here and talk to you? How come I don't have stage fright? How come I don't have stage fright? A lot of people get up, they're very scared to talk. I'm not, I get up, I can talk to myself. <laughs> I don't, Baruch Hashem, I don't have stage fright. Why don't I have stage fright? My father, Oliver Sholem, was a brilliant man. When I was a little boy, I was seven years old, he made that me and my brother, I had a nine-year-old brother who was two years older than me, and I had a, a, a sister that was two years younger than me. So he said, every Friday night, I'd like you children to make me a play on the Pasha. So every Friday night, right after the meal, my mother and my father would sit on the couch, lay on the couch, whatever, you know, half asleep, it was late, and he would say, and, and, and we'd put on a play on the Pasha. And so Friday, for like a half an hour, we would do our parts, and we get pillows and things to set it up. And I know Pasha inside out, not from school. I didn't learn anything in school. I was not a good kid. <laughs> I just learned how to make trouble, that's all. Right? So where did I learn my Pasha? I learned my Pasha because every single Pasha that we're going to learn in Bereshit and in Shemos, I made a play on it. Now, of course, I would happen to have been a little bit bigger than my brother. So this week's Pasha, we have Raham takes Yitzchak, right? And he puts him on the, and he puts him on the donkey. <laughs> And he puts him on the donkey. So first my brother was the donkey, right? And then when he came to Akedah Yitzchak, of course, he was Yitzchak and I was Avram. And I had the big sword, okay. But anyway, it was amazing. He was very smart, my father. Did he foresee what I was going to do later on in my life? Maybe not. But he got his children involved in Torah and Chumash and Shabbos in an unbelievable, amazing way. Not only that, but on the way to shul, on the way to shul, we used to walk a mile. I lived in Muncie, so it was a 25-minute walk. So what do you do when you, when you walk to shul? So usually, the father is thinking tired or whatever, and the two kids are killing each other. <laughs> and the boys are beating each other up. No, he made a contest. Listen to this. He made a contest. And the contest was the beginning letter of a parsha and the last letter of a parsha. And you have to know what that parsha is. For instance, Bez, Saf, right? Would be Bereshis. Bez, Saf, right? Vav Aleph would be Vayikra. Vav Yud would be Vayichi. So, the game was that on the way down to Shul, my father would say, Vav Aleph. And the first one that would say it would get a point. By the time we got to Shul, we went through most of the parshas. Usually my brother beat me, right? Sometimes I beat him. But if anybody in this room would get up, it's now 52. Probably stopped doing it when I was about 12. It's now 40 years. It's 40 years since I did this game, that I played this game. There's no Pasha in the Torah that if you would get up and say the first letter and last letter, that it would take me more than a second or maybe a second and a half to know. I haven't done it in 40 years. It's a smart father. He used his time with his children and he made us, it was a contest. Pasha was a contest. If he would have told me, go home, I want you to remember every Pasha in the Torah, forget about it. Would have never done it. But he made it into a contest. He made it into something fun. Shabbos is beautiful. But as parents, we need to make it beautiful. So I tell the fathers, when you come home, don't give a shear. Don't sit there and say what the rabbi said. Let the kids give the shear. This week, Chaim's going to say what he learned. And this way, it stops. You know, we do this with the Pasha papers till they're in third grade. And then, like, you're too old. Shut up. I don't want to hear your Pasha paper. You know? It's enough. It's got to be all the time. Rabbi Label Lamb, who sometimes speaks here, said that every week when they sit around the table Friday night, 
Every child says something that they feel they accomplished that week. It's an amazing family meeting. So you at the table, this kid says, I feel, you know, last week I wasn't doing good in this, I'm doing good in this. And the family's talking, oh, that's, that's yeah, I did that two weeks ago. And you got to get the whole family involved. This is a relationship between, you have to be misvato yourself. What do you mean? I have to listen to my eight-year-old son say a Rashi and Chumash? I know a Medrash and a Vilna Gain and I'm, I'm lawyers and I'm the father. Be misvatel yourself. Get rid of yourself. Don't be so impressed with yourself. Get over yourself. Step back. Yes, he's an eight-year-old kid, and you're a 40-year-old man or, or, or a 40-year-old woman or a 20-year-old woman who just came out of seminary and you know everything. And his little pitchkula is saying some silly whatever. Be misvatel yourself. Pull yourself away. Make them into the most unbelievable person. Good teachers know how to do that. Good people know how to do that. I remember when my father was showing, we used to make a sukkah in the old days. So, you know these kids, they come home with these crepe paper, one thing to hang up, you know, in the sukkah. You got all these things you bought from Chinatown, little glass things, ding-a-ling, and you have all these new stuff that you buy in this farm store, beautiful, the, the Koso. And this kid comes home with a little paper-made apple, you know, painted a little with a crayon. You're like, I'm not putting that up in my sukkah. <laughs> a smart parent. Looks around the sukkah. The sukkah is not, it's missing something. It's just, just something missing. It's not, it doesn't look like it used to look. Just, oh my goodness. Yanko, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Oh, come on, Tati. No, give me your apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take that apple and you hang it up like it's the most precious thing in the world. And you're like, you call your wife. Khanullah, come in the sukkah. Now it's finished. Look at Yanko's apple. And she's like, Wow, Yankala made the whole sukkah after you worked like 20 hours. Yankala made the whole sukkah. <laughs> so, so what did you do? What did, you, what did the two of them do? They were misvatel themselves. It's funny, but it's so sad because I'm dealing with all these kids that are disconnected from Shabbos and sukkah and mitzvahs and their parents because their parents were all their life busy telling them what to do and how to do it instead of letting the kid, instead of being misvatel themselves, Letting the kid do something and letting the kid be something. That's what we need to do, and that's the greatest love of all. The greatest love of all is when a person sacrifices themselves. And if you sacrifice yourself, then you're happy for them. So I'm here for five hours, so you tried on a hundred dresses, so you ended up not buying anything. Who cares? There's no me. It's all about you. And if that's what makes you happy, touching a hundred different hangers, then I'm happy. And if your husband's happy because he's watching a bunch of mishugam on the ice with sticks, shooting pucks at each other, right? And he's sitting at a hockey game, and you're sitting there on your cell phone. I can't believe I'm watching men hit men, right? Or, or he's watching football, right? So, so you take away his whole thing because now it's about you. So if your husband likes football and he's watching football, so sit there in line and say, oh, my goodness, what a great, um, what a great kick. No, it wasn't a kick. It was a throw. A great something, a great basket. It wasn't a basket. It's football. So then they'll say, you know, come sit down. Let me teach you about football. That's not a basket. That's basketball. Listen, you have... You're laughing, but all of a sudden you have a relationship. Have a relationship. Abraham Avinu bowed down to the floor. I don't need my masters. That's how we have to look at our husbands. That's how husbands have to look at their wives. And then you can start to learn. It's late. Then you can start to learn how to love Hashem. Because you're always in the way when it comes to God. If you get yourself out of the way, 
then you can have a relationship like Kodesh Baruch Hu. A relationship is not all about you. Imagine you come, you know, you dive into Hashem and Yishman Esrei. What is Yishman Esrei? What is Yishman Is it about Hashem? Or is it about you? Yishman Esrei is, Moril Chata Hashem, yeah, all this, all this. Shmakolena. Oh, no, I'm not, I can't really say too much. Oh, kind of son. I can say whatever I need. Hashem, I need a shidduch. I need a car. You got to get me into that class in college. I want to be healthy. My mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my grandmother, my uncle. What else do I need? How about two tickets to Israel? Um, I mean, for this friend, for that friend, for this friend, for that's very nice. For this friend, for that friend. Because book was like, shopping list time. Come on, a whole shopping list. What do you need? Right? Because you are in the way. Instead of saying, when's the last time someone prayed to Hashem and said, God, what do you need? Whoa! Rabbi Walsby, what are you talking about? Huh? What a feeling. Today, I'm dedicating my Shemonestra and my Tzilat to Hashem. Kishbrochu, what do you need? They're making fun of you in the streets. Your children are lost all over the place. I see your children lighting cigarettes on Shabbos. Hashem, you need these children to come back. I'm here for you. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to help. Sick people, your children are sick, you're in a hospital, I'm going to visit them. Hashem, what do you need? You can't ask Hashem what you need until you get rid of yourself. If you don't get rid of yourself, it's all about what you need. That's not self-sacrifice. That's not the ultimate love. The ultimate love is what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu need? Your whole life, your whole relationship with God will change. And that is why Avraham Avinu from the beginning of the parasha, and this, I'm finishing with this, from the beginning of the parasha to the end of the parasha, it starts off with Adoni to, to a bunch of Arabs, I'm a nobody, only a person who could make himself nobody in front of three Arabs can end up removing himself in the service of Hashem and be able to do an Akedas Yitzchak. He couldn't get to the end of the parasha without the beginning of the parasha. That's what we need to work on. We need to work on maybe the relationship. You can't get that relationship with God until you have that relationship with human beings because you don't understand what that means. We need to start working on our shalom bias and our kids. And it doesn't only, there are girls who are not married, who don't have children. You're friends. When, when your friendship is based on what I need, yeah, I'll give her what she gives me and all that. It, it's, it's not a real friendship. When your friendship is not based on what I need, it's based on what the other person needs. So I want to end with this Gemara. Beautiful. Gemara, the importance, it's two-second Gemara, the importance of a relationship. The importance of being revato yourself for somebody else. For Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, so at least you won't say, you can say when you go home, what do you give share on? He gave a Gemara share. Whoever wants to tell their husband, whoever, it's Mesech the Shabbos, Daf Peites, that means page Peites, Amar Aleph, the first side. All right? And if you really want to get your husband, you can say, and it's a famous Shikamara. Okay. Anyway. But I'm going to have Yeshua ben Levi. Yeshua ben Levi says the following. When Moshe Rabbeinu came up to heaven to get the Torah. He saw God was sitting, whatever this means, on the, there are certain letters in the Torah that have crowns. Like three crowns? There are certain letters. 
Um, I think they are, I know they are shotness, right? The spelling of shotness. And shin, ayin, tef, nun, zayin, gimel, tzadik. Those letters, shotness gates. Shotness gates, those letters have what's called tagorim, have crowns. So when Moshe Rabbeinu came to heaven, Hashem was sitting there and he was doing the crowns. He was putting the crowns on the letters. Amalo. So Moshe, you understand, walked in, whatever this means, and Hashem's sitting there. So he's like, in absolute awe, right? Oh my Lord, Hashem said to him, Moshe, ain't shalom be'ercha? Hashem said to Moshe Beno, in your town, in the city you come from, they don't say hello? You hear this? You hear this? You hear what's going on? This is an unbelievable Gemara. Hashem says to Moshe Beno, you come into the room, and you just sit there with your mouth open? In your town, they don't say shalom aleichem? Hello? Oh my Lord, Moshe Rabbeinu said back to Hashem, it's not their heritage, it's not respect for a servant to say shalom to his Rebbe. You have to wait for the Rebbe to say shalom aleichem and you say aleichem shalom. So don't blame me, Hashem. I, you know, it's not, it's not their heritage for me to say shalom to you. Okay? So you think it's over, right? Amalo, Hashem says to him, okay, you're right. There's such a halacha. You're right. But, Hayulach Allah is rainy. You should have at least offered to help me. What? Miyad, Omalo, immediately Moshe said to Hashem, And now may the strength of Hashem be magnified as you have spoken. What is going on here? What is going on here? Hashem said that Moshe Rabbeinu should have offered to help him. Hashem needs Moshe Rabbeinu's help. What's going on here? And the answer is that what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, my thought on this after this year is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I am Hashem, but for us to have a relationship, we have to be able to talk to each other on a level where you can say, Shalom Aleichem, where you can help me. In other words, like Avraham Avinu said, Adoni, to a bunch of Arabs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, yes, I'm God, yes, I'm the Supreme Being, but in order for there to be a relationship between me and you, I have to sort of be mavato myself. Yes, you could say shalom aleichem to Hashem. And yes, you could offer to help Hashem. I don't need your help. But you should have offered to help. There's many reasons you should have offered to help. But in the deep, deep thought of this, what Hashem was saying is that in order to open up the wellsprings of good, there has to be a trigger. So Hashem has all this good to give us, but in order to open it, you have to say shalom aleichem. You have to lower yourself. You have to say shalom aleichem. You have to help, even Hashem. Hashem doesn't need your help, but in this world, to make something happen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants your help. Sure, things can grow on their own. Hashem wants you to plant seeds. He wants our help. He wants us to be part of it. He wants us to do things. So, how does a person come to that level when, he, when, when, when everything comes down to a certain level where you realize that you can help Hashem? What do you mean I can help Hashem? Hashem is like, I need help also. I don't need your help, but that's the trigger. I need you to put the seed in the ground. You know, that's the whole thing of hishtadlus. Everybody wants to know about hishtadlus. What is, how many times I got to go on a date? How many, how many people do I have to call? How many times do I have to go for a job? And the answer is, why do you have to do hishtadlus at all? Just sit at home. Hashem will do everything. Hashem says, no, you have to do something. So Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, even God, I don't need your help, but offer to help. Because by offering to help and giving me a bracha, that's what opens up the wellsprings for everybody else. 
So it's very important, Ben Allah Havero, that when we see each other, that we say, Shalom Aleichem, and how you're doing, and how you're feeling. When your husband comes home, how was your day? Don't tell him all about your day. The minute he walks in the door, you know what kind of day I had? Go get pizza for everybody. I can't cook tonight. Aggravation, agitation, irritation, all the titions that you can imagine. He walks through the door and she's attacking. Instead of, oh, Chaim, you look so tired. What happened at work? And he's like, no, you look tired. <laughs> Want me to take you out? Want me to take the kids out? Wow. What a difference. What a difference in a marriage. What, you, you, you're, like, you're looking at me like, he's dreaming. He's out of his mind. I'm going to go home tonight. He's crazy. He doesn't live in the real world. You start the real world. You have to start the change. You have to make the change. Or the kid comes home. How are you doing? How's everything? Not right away. Your shirt's out. You're there. Sit down. Take something to eat. We're not even talking about school. You take something to eat and something to drink. You'll see your whole house will calm. It'll be a different household. Your husband comes home. It's how you're doing. How was your day? And all of a sudden, guess what's going to happen? He's going to start asking you how you're doing and how's your day. And it's going to become a great, it's going to become a great life. Guy comes home, you know, and she's, she's, I had a miserable day. Then you start this whole war about the miserable day. You never get supper, right? She's like, I had a miserable day. He got, Chaim got kicked out of school. Yeah? You think your day was miserable? I got a parking ticket. Oh, you got a parking ticket. Well, I had a flat. You had a flat? Well, they told my car too. Oh, they told your car? Well, this happened. My friend, bah, 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 and we had a big fight. Oh, you had a big fight? You don't have to be in my office? And you sit there for three hours, each one feeling bad about themselves. And how bad their day was, and nobody gets supper, because everybody's miserable. And they go over to the separate rooms, and they're miserable. I had a miserable day. She had a miserable day. I don't want to talk to you. You're miserable. I'm miserable. Goodbye. The way it's supposed to be is he comes home, and he says to her, so how was your day? No, it's not about me. I'm home. You're working. How was your day? Come on, you're with the kids. It's much harder to be with the kids than to go to work. What are you talking about? The kids, at least I get nachas. What do you get nachas at work? Wow, now it's a fantastic relationship. Also doesn't get to eat that night because they're busy telling each other how good they are. It ends up being the same thing, but it definitely comes from a different place. So what we got, we're going to walk out of this year, and we're going to change our lives and the lives of the people around us. We're going to be misvatel us. It's not going to be about what you did to me and how you treated me and what you did to the family, what you did to you. It's what you did to you. I have a girl, Nebuch, that's in, uh, was a heroin addict. And I, I really tried last week. I, if anyone watched my share, I tried to save her. Anyway, today she ended up getting arrested. She's in juvenile and ju- never whatever. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. So she got one phone call, and she called me. And she says to me, Rabbi, can you believe what my mother did to me? I said, What do you mean? Could you believe what she did to me? What she do to you? All this happened because of her. I'm like, listen to me carefully. She's calling me from juvenile. I'm like, listen to me carefully. You did this to you. You did this to you, not your mother. You had a house. We bought you clothing. We gave you a school. We gave you therapy. We gave you everything. Your mother didn't do this to you. You did this to you. And Bezrat Hashem, the same way you did this to you, you're going to fix this to you. Because the one that can fix themselves better than anyone else is themselves. So a person has to own up what they, for what they do. It's you. It's not everybody else. You can't blame everyone else. But I'm telling you that there's not a person in this room that can, if you're a teacher, 
If you're a teacher, I'm begging you when you go to school, the first thing you tell the kid is how cute they look that day, how nice they look, how impressed you are with them. Focus on the good. You focus on the good, and you're talking to me like a Ramavinu, and Be'ezrat Hashem, you won't have to Hashem sacrifice anybody, but you'll be able to have this Ahava, this love, this pure love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. May Klai Yisrael see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Tomorrow when you dive in, say to Hashem, forget about me, it's about you. What can I do for you? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.